Welcome to Cage Minds MMA Show. I'm Micah Frankel. I'd appreciate it if you visit the website cageminds.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's Cage Minds MMA Show. Got a ton of interviews going up on there. Check out our most recent one with Tevin Dice. Moved back up to New York City. Back in the win column. Another rear naked choke. Hear that full podcast again at cage minds mma show or check out cage minds wherever you find your podcast that one is available everywhere also everywhere is the social media that you should be keeping up with that's cage minds combat sports news on facebook cage minds underscore csn on instagram and at cage minds mma on twitter last ufc of 2021 is in the books. We'll get to that in just a moment. But there was a lot of action going on this past week. Tying FC 43, two championship fights in the main event. Danilo Taylor outduels Marcus Edwards. It's a split decision, but now 7 and 1 welterweight champion of Tying FC is Danilo Taylor. And in the co main event, Ira Legowski with a big right hook crumbles Alberto Montos and pulls off a huge upset, the TKO victory. Cage Fury FC 104, also a pair of title fights at that one. Fumi Kuta defends his flyweight title, retaining by unanimous decision, dominating Jason. Eastman across the cards. It was his wrestling getting it done and in the main event. Blake Bender knocked down on bottom but finds the triangle choke and submits Frank Benefente capturing the vacant CFFC featherweight title. You also had in Canada Unified MMA 42 Marcus Simon a successful MMA debut for the former Muay Thai and kickboxing world champion. Two rounds of his striking looking spectacular, leaving foot imprints in the ribs and across the legs of his opposition. But we saw a eye poke in the third round. It leads to a technical decision. Marcus Simon, another elite level kickboxer here in MMA. Saturday in Poland. You had welterweight champion Roberto Sidlich looking to become a two-division champion, and he does so, defeating Mohamed Khalidov. Big left hook. It looked like it was going to be to the body. Khalidov ducks his head and eats the punch. Huge victory now, a two-division champion. And Salid Pancras regains the KSW featherweight title from Daniel Torres. Torres misses weight, gives up the title on the scale, goes on to lose a unanimous decision. That leads us over to Las Vegas to the UFC fight night. UFC Vegas 45, the last fight night of the year. Heavyweight main event, Derek Lewis makes history defeating Chris Dawkins. It's the knockout in the first round. Lewis closes the distance, unloads his right hand. You saw Dawkins and Lewis both paying it patient early, trying to keep it long. Dawkins' speed would never really become a factor with the big sledgehammers coming back his way, countering. Lewis 
knocks out Dawkus, it felt like, three times before Dawkus actually hits the ground. It's historic. Lewis now breaks the tie with Matt Brown, his 13th knockout of his UFC career, the 21st knockout of his MMA career. Two heavyweights doing what they do. It didn't take long in the sense that it was only 14 to 10 in landed strikes needed. Again, the speed was not much of a factor. It was all about the strength. An incredible performance from Lewis. A major bounce back from losing to Gon in that interim heavyweight title fight. What's next for Lewis? That one is kind of hard to tell. We have UFC 270 coming up in Ganu Gan, and they're going to unify the heavyweight title. You would expect that Stipe Miocic and John Jones are next up for title shots after. That's all assuming that negotiations go well with the UFC. But that is never a foregone conclusion. So that does put Derek Lewis in the mix. And with a win over Francis Ngannou, yes, in one of the worst heavyweight fights, one of the worst UFC fights there's ever been, there's only opportunity to go up from there, though. So Lewis is linked to Ngannou. Ngannou loses against Gon. It's a lot easier to make that rematch. And that person, whether it be Ngannou or Lewis, right away vaults into title contention. They're obviously two of the top four heavyweights active right now. If Ngannou defeats Gon, you're going for that trilogy fight with Miocic. Then you're looking for John Jones, but if that doesn't happen, everything's wide open, and Derek Lewis finds himself again right back in the mix. Surreal Gone ends up becoming the undisputed heavyweight champion of the world, and that's a little longer of a road back, with Lewis having recently lost to Gone. That gives you the other alternatives. I think the most likely one is Dianio Rosenstruck. Let's be honest about that. Derek Lewis will probably be fighting Rosenstruck in his next outing. Taya Tuivasa and Tom Aspinall are both young prospects that are out there. Chris Dawkins couldn't get by Derek Lewis, and I don't expect the UFC to be making a win over Derek Lewis, the ultimatum, to get a title shot. You could just see a lot of prospects getting shut right back down that ladder if you're making Lewis the benchmark. So, Rosenstruck versus Derek Lewis feels like the most obvious trajectory for us to go on next for the Black Beast. Next up is the co-main event. Bilal Muhammad defeats Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. Early on, Thompson landed his flashy kicks. Looked like he caught Bilal off guard a couple times. Snuck the left hand through, stunned Muhammad. But overall... It was all about the wrestling. Dominant second and third rounds. You saw 30-25 and 30-26 on the scorecards. Seven takedowns. 54-17 landed strikes. A aggressive performance from Muhammad, who got done what a lot, a lot of people have not been able to do against Wonderboy. Throw big enough strikes to make an entry, shut down the counters, attack the legs, and secure the takedown, and then dominate from that top position. So huge credit to Bilal Muhammad, who's now on a six-fight win streak outside of getting poked in the eye by Leon Edwards. 
This definitely raises the ceiling of expectation for Babalel Muhammad, who's right there in title contention. I don't know if he can get by Kamaru Usman, but I wouldn't doubt him at this point. Muhammad has shown a chin, has shown tenacity, has shown a diverse striking game, and he is tenacious on his takedowns. Where does he go from here in the net into the next fight? Usman Edwards feels like where we're going for the next welterweight world title fight. Leon Edwards probably has done enough at this point, finally. I know if you're below Muhammad, you want that rematch. You want Leon Edwards. You want revenge for the eye poke. You want to get that one back. You feel there's unfinished business. I don't think that's likely to happen. Colby Covington is another name because of the persona that he puts out there and the way he hypes up fights. Could be very attractive for Bilal Muhammad with his background. But Covington has already been linked with Gilbert Burns, with Hamzat Chimaev. Neil Magny, who's a little bit farther down the rankings now, has thrown his hand up and even said he's willing to fight Hamzat Chimaev. Like we said, Bilal would like to get the rematch with Edwards. Don't see that to be likely. But Vicente Luque, Sean Brady, both coming off of wins over Michael Chiesa. Luque just ahead of where I believe Muhammad's going to fall in the rankings. He beat number five. He should take number five. Luque's at four. A Luque Muhammad seems like the most likely scenario to me for Bilal's next fight. In the feature fight, we had women's strawweight action. There was also a ranked bout. Number 11, Amanda Lemoyche. Edges, number 12, Angela Hill. Lemoyche gets the knockdown in the first round. A teep cake to the face. A big right hand. Looked like she nearly got it finished on the ground. Second round, we saw powerful single strikes from the Brazilian versus knees from the clinch by the American. More of the same in the third round. But again, the powerful single strikes. Moment by moment, it looked like there was just more impact, more effect being absorbed by Hill from what Lemoyche was landing. There is a knockdown in the closing moments of the third round, a spinning back elbow. I thought that gave the third round to Hill. Wondered if the second round could be that flip round, that toss round. Where was it going to go? The split decision gives Amanda Lemoyne a five-fight win streak. It's the fifth time that, Amanda, uh, that Angela Hill has went to a split decision. Fourth time in the UFC, and unfortunately, every time in the UFC, it's went against Angela Hill. Now, Lemoyne was originally scheduled to face Nina Nunez in this matchup. Could that one be rebooked, or could we be looking at... Lemoyche getting a bump all the way up to facing fellow Brazilian who'd be number 5, Mackenzie Dern, or number 4, Jan Chalman. I think that's the opportunity, especially when you look at Claudia Gadelia, who was number 7, having announced her retirement due to concussion-like symptoms, and also with Tisha Torres not actively seeking a fight as her dad has been battling pneumonia and covid She's been by his side, so I think that gives either that 6-5-4 matchup real reality for Amanda Lemoyche. In the Bantamweight division, we saw Ricky Simone catapult himself into the rankings, taking out number 12, Rafael Asuncao. Early low blow 
from Simone. But then he rebounds later with a left hook, a couple takedowns, grinding out that first round. The second round, a big overhand right, sits down Austin Sal, flying in with another right uppercut for the finish. Is Simone his 10th finish, his 6th by knockout. It's a 4-fight win streak. He called out Sean O'Malley. Even Simone did it jokingly knowing. With his wrestling and grinding style, that's probably not a fight that O'Malley is going to take. But Cody Stammen, Pedro Munoz, maybe Dominic Cruz if he's not able to get that Jose Aldo fight, a Marlon Vieira, or very most surprising, possibly a Corey Sanhagen. I think those five names are all realistic for Ricky Simone as he looks for his first outing of 2022. In the lightweight division, we saw Poland's Matthews Gamrot, also the same, catapult himself into the rankings, taking out the number 12 ring, Diego Fajeda, scrambles, allure, Taking the back and a big knee to the ribs causes Diego Fajeda to wave off the fight. His body shut down. It was that devastating of a knee from the back. Amrat is a high volume, in your pace, volume striker with solid wrestling. That was his 12th finish, his 7th by knockout. That's three in a row in the UFC. And the Polish fighter, he made a ballsy call out. He called out Michael Chandler. I don't know if that's the kind of call-out that's going to reach Chandler, that's going to break through, that's even going to get recognition. But maybe, just maybe, Gamrot finds himself in a co- or main event on a fight night in his next outing against Rafael Dos Anjos. Or at very least, maybe he welcomes Gregor Gillespie back to the octagon. We haven't seen Gregor in a bit over seven months. Cub Swanson back in the win column. Had a void, a big overhand right from Darren Elkins, but snapped the head back with the jab, the switch step, lunging in, right uppercut for the knockdown of Elkins. Cub was looking beautiful on his feet, sticking Elkins with jabs and hooks from both sides. A wheel kick barely glances Elkins, but still lands enough that the damage falls into Herb Dean, Herb Dean calling off the fight, an artistic display of violence, a superb outing for Cub Swanson, who I don't remember the last time he's looked that good. Your feature prelim saw Gerald Mershar against Dustin Stoltfoots. For the first and second rounds, it was Stoltfoots getting the takedown. In the third round, it was more of the same, until Stoltfoots Fell off the back. You saw Mershart take the back. Stuffwoods, when he had an opportunity to explode out, instead sold out for the toehold. Mershart fights through, takes the back, finishes the rear naked choke. A three-fight win streak. All submissions. That was the 32nd submission, or the 32nd finish, excuse me, of his career. The 26th submission, the ninth by rear naked choke, his 8th submission in the UFC, and that gives him the most, in counting, submission victories in middleweight history. 
heavyweights equaled a knockout as we hoped they would. Just the Tafa, he misses weight. A dubious distinction now. The first official heavyweight to miss weight in UFC history, 267 pounds. Off the bat, it's a big left hand for the knockdown. Henry Hunsucker threatens the Kimura to get back, gets back to his feet. Matching right hands backs up Hunsucker. He's got the guard high. It doesn't matter. Even with both arms up, Justin Toffa blasts the head kick. The reverberation through the guard sends Hunsucker to the ground. Toffa, that's five wins, all by knockout. In women's flyweight action, Melissa Gatto defeats Ajara Eubanks. Eubanks, not a flyweight. Miss weight again. It's cost her a title fight. This was her rejuvenated effort at 125. And the second fight into this rejuvenated effort, she misses weight again. Eubanks won the first eight minutes of this fight. But when Gatto was able to reverse the position in the second round, she wore out Eubanks into the third round. The teak kick straight to the liver crushes Eubanks. A couple follow-up punches. The ref is diving in, and it's a good TKO finish. A still unbeaten record for now, 8-0-2, Melissa Gatto. In the featherweight division, you saw Charles Jardin with a boisterous welcome to Andre Ewell, who was coming up from Bantamweight. In the first round, you saw volume striking as Jardin outlanded Ewell. Jardin stuns Ewell with a left hook right on the orbital and hammering leg kicks in the second round. Third round, the pressure is ramping up. You see clean hooks and crosses landing. The finish feeling eminent, going body and head, overwhelming Ewell to the point where Jardin is feeling himself yelling angrily, literally screaming at his opponent. Just before the bell, you have a giant teep kick to the body, knocking down Ewell. What a devastating Fight that was 137 to 56 in landed strikes in favor of Jordan, who picks up the first decision win of his career, ruining that 100% finishing rate. In top 10 women's bantamweight action, way early on the card, Raquel Pennington put Macy Chasson on her back foot, Pennington landing big. Hooks doubling up Macy and strikes, being the more active fighter, putting the pressure on. Chason would try to barrel into the clinch in the third round and work the body. She would get denied, try to get into the takedown. A 10-finger front choke, the fourth career submission win. First by 10-finger front choke for Pennington, and it's a three-fight win streak. I'd like to say that this would lead to a rematch with Misha Tate, but Tate's coming off of a loss. I don't know if she gets somebody on a three-fight win streak, even though she is the big name. I think even at the number eight, pushing we are pushing Pennington all the way up to take on Caitlin Vieira or Irene Aldana, possibly one fight away from a world title fight. Heavyweights in the second to earliest fight on the card. Dontel Mays, six takedowns and all, gets the crucifix position and elbows his way to the finish of Josh Barazian. 
and the night opened up with Jordan Levitt picking up his sixth career submission. It was an inverted triangle taking care of Matt Sales. As we look towards the holiday, not too much news, but there were some fight announcements from the UFC. UFC on ESPN 32 January 15th has gained the rebooking of a Bantamweight matchup that we were supposed to see this past weekend. Hayani Barcelos versus Victor Henry. That one was scratched because Henry had tested positive for COVID, obviously quickly rebooked. Rescheduled from UFC 269 for UFC 271 on February 12th in the flyweight division, Alex Perez versus Matt Schnell rescheduled. UFC Fight Night on March 12th, the bantamweight division, we'll see Marlon Moraes versus Song Yadong, and UFC 272 on March 5th in women's flyweight action, we'll see Marina Moraes against Mariva. Agapava. Bellator fight announcements. Bellator will be in Dublin, Ireland on February 25th. The main event will be a middleweight world title fight. Gegard Mousasi defending against Austin Vanderford. In lightweight action, Peter Quilly will take on Kane Musash. In women's featherweight action, Sinead Kavanaugh will take on Leah McCourt. And in lightweight action, Davy Gallen versus Charlie Leary are the announced fights for that event. And to finish up, there's a couple headlines I wanted to touch on. John Jones, charges of domestic violence has been dismissed. He pled no contest to a misdemeanor destruction of property, fined about $250, and also it said that he owes $750 in restitution to the victim and has been suggested to go seek counseling for anger management. Also, he's been told to not be in trouble in Vegas in the near future. On the other side, a huge critic of John Jones now finds himself in a similar situation. Chael Sutton detained and cited for five counts of battery in Las Vegas this past weekend. If you check around the internet, details would say that Sutton was knocking on a hotel room door, belligerently, and then somehow got in a physical confrontation with passerbyers, people somehow not involved with that room. Chow Sutton detained, and not a good look for a guy that has been such a critic of John Jones and John Jones's legal issues. It, it, it's hard out there in the MMA world, obviously, for any of these guys to stay out of trouble for some reason beyond me. Claudia Gadelia, as I said, has announced her retirement. Unfortunately, that's due to concussion-like symptoms that have been lingering since her last fight. Pretty nasty stuff. Best wishes to Claudia Gadelia moving forward. Congratulations on an incredibly successful MMA career and Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu career at that point. Gadelia is expected to become part of the Portuguese announced team, I believe. And we'll still see her around the MMA world. I believe getting a role with the UFC on helping young Brazilian fighters manage what it is to move to America and also to manage their finances. Um, obviously, every league should have a department doing that for their young athletes, not just 
the foreign athletes. Uh, Eagle FC has announced the signing of former UFC vet Kevin Lee. Lee had been re released from the UFC. He is now signed with Eagle Fight Club. He will be competing in their 165-pound division. With that announcement that Eagle FC will be having 165 pounds, they will also have 175, no 170. So we're going 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, 205, and the heavyweights for Eagle Fight Club, no female weight classes. And also in Eagle Fight Club related news, Jake Paul has announced throughout his fight week leading up to Woodley Paul too, where he knocked out Tyrone Woodley, that he's discussed a crossover to MMA and will be training at AKA under Habib Nurmagomedov and Javier Mendez. That one will be interesting. Paul, as I said, knocked out Tyrone Woodley in their rematch. He's been linked now to Anderson Silva, calling out Nate Diaz. And don't forget that Tommy Fury fight was supposed to happen. CageMinds.com is the website. CageMinds MMA show on YouTube. CageMinds wherever you find your podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe. Thanks for watching.